right. Hello there. This is Brian. I'm Patrick. And this is episode one of Hard Compound, our weekly Formula One podcast. We're going to break it down, break down the race, break down the upcoming race, the constructor's title, look at the money spent, look at some of the technology going into it, and all that fun stuff. The coverage, the fans. So we hope you enjoy it. Okay. Well, son, what are you drinking? Yeah, so today I have El Sully. It's a Mexican lager from 21st Amendment Brewery in San Francisco, California. It's a nice, refreshing Mexican cerveza. Would highly recommend it to anybody looking for something like that. Awesome. I am drinking here in Michigan El Rojo, Griffin Claw. It's a Michigan beer. Let's give it a try. It's my first time. That's pretty rich. It's good. That's good stuff. I think it's kind of interesting. You're probably too young to even know this, but I think maybe the theme of today's episode should be America. America with respect to F1. Even in the 90s, America was not known for beer. And now I would say we are probably the world leader in beer. I don't think there's even a close second, honestly. I think the variety... I think the types of beers, the variety of beers, the quality of beers, accessibility of beers, what what I can buy here in Michigan, what you can get in California or Texas, what friends can get in Georgia and Florida, I don't think anybody is really even close. And that's pretty shocking to me. And I think that's why I think this first episode is going to have sort of an American theme to it, because we're going to look at America's views on F1. American drivers in F1, and go from there. But why don't we get started with last week's race, first round in Austria. What did you think? I mean, it was a pretty fun race. I think we've had quite a few interesting and exciting races this season. Last week, I don't think was too different. The outcome was relatively predictable, I think. You know, the two Red Bull drivers and two Mercedes drivers up at the top again. but. I think the midfield is is really interesting this season. We have some really good drivers that are starting to prove themselves. Guys like Norris and Gasly, I think. And then some teams who have cars that are pretty close in kind of speed and, and ability on pretty much any track. So we get some pretty good battles between Ferrari, McLaren, Aston, all those, right? And I think last week was no different from that. It was a overall a pretty entertaining race, I think. Yeah, I sort of think so too. I'm disappointed at Leclerc for taking Gasly out. I thought Gasly had a had a real shot at at even top five finish, certainly top ten. And you know, I'm I'm cheering for Gasly. I think he got a raw deal by Red Bull, and that the AlphaTauri team is kind of young and fun. So I was a little disappointed. But yeah, overall, I think it's the mid-pack. You know, Mercedes still probably has the better car. But for Verstappen, I think if he's close enough, that's all he needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perez was still finding his way. Norris is doing an amazing job. You mentioned Norris. I'm just, just shocked at how well he's been doing. I think he, is he ahead of Botas in the standings? Maybe. I don't think so. He's like 10 points behind... Botas or or Perez, maybe I something like that. 
but he is up there in the standings. He's like, I don't know, 50 points ahead of Ricardo or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Ricardo in a little bit. Like, I mean, the setting looks good. And I think, especially with COVID, it's understandable why F1 would have multiple races in one location. You know, like they're going back to Austria this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the, the track didn't seem to me anything special. But yeah, I thought overall it was fun. We sort of knew who first and second would be and who third and fourth would be. And kind of like, you know, the, the, the fun is then in the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some yeah, of the definitely. chaos in the start and then a lot of stuff in the middle. And I know this, like a lot of people I saw in, on social media were upset that Leclerc got driver of the day <laughs> because he sort of, he, he started where he, yeah, he finished yeah. where he started. But it was like in that kind of chaos where he took out Gasly. And, and at first I, I was upset with him, but as I watched the, the onboards, I thought, yeah, that's slightly aggressive, but I, I think that's a racing incident that happens. And so he did, he had to, he had to really work for it to, to get up there after that first lap. Yeah. I mean, I think like normally it's kind of funny. I don't think Leclerc gets the credit that he necessarily deserves but last week, I, I think I'm kind of with most people. I don't think he deserved driver of the day. I, I know that he <laughs> did like work hard to get back to that spot. I mean, he had that first first lap incident with Gasly. But I mean, when you're looking at driver of the day, the whole day counts. And I think he screwed up pretty badly on that first lap ended somebody else's race and put himself way at the back of the pack. I, I would have preferred giving it to, to like signs or Norris. I, I mean, signs had a bad qualifying and then came up did. and got yeah. what sixth in the race. I, I mean, he, yeah. I think he outperformed most people last week. So I think if there's any, cause I like Leclerc, I think, you know, all these great young drivers, but I think if there's any criticism of him, it's sort of like, you know, he thinks, hey, I drive for Ferrari, so I should be at the top. I should be at the front of the pack. But that Ferrari car just isn't that good. And so I think he, I don't know, overcompensates, get overly aggressive, makes some ra- irrational moves sometimes. And it either, and it paid off for him, I guess, this week. I mean, he, he did okay. But yeah, I mean, he took out some folks. And I don't know. It will, you know, it happens. Oh, well. Yeah. It happens. But I think you're right. All the fun is in the middle of the pack right now. Or or to see who comes in first. Can can someone not Mercedes come in first? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, Leclerc, is, you were kind of alluding to, I think he works to get the absolute most out of that car. Ferrari has been kind of going backwards as a constructor for the last few years. And he's been able to kind of keep them afloat i think and getting signs i think was a big deal for ferrari too he's proven that he's a reliable and and a really good driver but yeah i think leclerc's faults lie in how hard he pushes i think it it, it's i agree both his saving grace and also like his his downfall (laughs) kind of like how Verstappen was in his first few seasons he ended a lot of his own races yeah but now you can see like he's matured and he really knows when to push and when to hold back and I think that's something Leclerc really needs to figure out 
Yeah. The clerk, yeah, you sort of also just need to accept, I think, that car is what it is. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it maybe let's see, fourth, fifth pack, fifth, you know, I don't know. It's, it's you know, yeah. I mean, but after Mercedes, <laughs> Red Bull, McLaren, you know, then you start thinking, well, okay, maybe Ferrari belongs right. there. So and right. I think yeah. he doesn't want to believe that. So, yeah. But here's back to my having my uh, American beer here and uh, <laughs> talking about the drivers. So, one thing I wanted to talk about was it looked like I did some quick research. Mario Andretti was the last American driver to win. And that was in 1978, <laughs> which is so long ago. That was before I had cable. That was before I had ever heard of such a thing called cable, let alone, you know, streaming, internet, computers. <laughs> a cell phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cell phones, Pac-Man. So I, I was kind of wanting to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you think we'll ever have an American driver? Or maybe first ask, why aren't there American drivers in F1? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Because I became a fan of F1 by chance, I think. You know, I was bored scrolling through channels and was like, oh, this is kind of interesting and watched Fernando Alonso when he, I think it was the year that he won with Renault. Oh, and it was a while ago. It was a while ago, <laughs> but that's kind of when I got hooked on F1, but I haven't seen an American in F1, an American prospect or really anyone that I know that is interested in F1 aside from like the formula SAE team that I was on in college. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Maybe that helps. It's sort of like, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, Pele at the twilight of his career playing, I think in New York when they were trying to get soccer established <laughs> in the U S and it took another 30 years. I really thought, because for me, you know, I, was F1 back for cable when there was Mario Andretti. Indy was big, and I would watch Indy as a child, and you would see clips from, like, Wide World of Sports. Every now and again, you would see an F1 race. I thought, wow, that looks just as fun as Indy, except if, you know, if I remember correctly, like, some of these were what they call street courses, I, I think. And, and, and I thought that might even be more fun. And then, but there just was no coverage. In the 80s, I got to see a little bit of it. In the 90s, with cable and so forth, still really didn't see anything. I mean, heck, I think it was easier to catch Australian rules football than F1. But I could watch a bit. Part of it, though, was because of a lot of the tech was getting covered. So a lot of the, the tech industry that I was in was looking at it. And also, Who's the Canadian who died? Villeneuve, you're talking about? Villeneuve. How do you say that? Yeah, Villeneuve. <laughs> it, you know, like, so I, we get some news from over from Canada, but it was until the 2000s, it was pretty hard. And, but since then, I've been able to watch it and watch every race. And I hadn't really thought much about an American driver, but, you know, when Haas entered and, you know, really, you really thought, well, they're, they're, They'll eventually get one American driver or now before Honda said they were getting out. I mean, Honda's so big in Indy. You always thought, well, there there must be a, a Honda driver program where they're going to spot some young American and say, hey, 
We think you belong in F1. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, you know, there's two big auto racing things in the U.S. already, right? You, you look at Indy and NASCAR, and those are wildly more popular in the U.S. than F1. And I think a lot of it has to do with a, like, excitement around, <laughs> I don't know, like, I guess for NASCAR specifically, it's like bumper cars you can just crash into people yeah, yeah. and it's all cool. And for whatever reason, that's exciting to people. <laughs> and then, like, in NASCAR especially, they do almost exclusively ovals. So you can see the whole race the whole time it's happening. You can see everything. For F1, you're doing these upwards of two and a half, three mile circuits, and you can only see one bit of it if you're there, right? And I think that doesn't appeal to Americans all that much. You're like, I want to see all of the action all of the time. Well, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because like I... I hate to say anything negative about NASCAR because those are my people. Those are our people. <laughs> but I hate NASCAR. I don't I don't even understand it. I'm like, there's like 30, 40 cars here and they're bumping. I don't even get it. I was also, though, wondering, you know, because Americans were sort of like the, the, the notion of leaving America to go somewhere else to make your fortune, to make your mark. We don't even think that way. Everyone comes here. If you if you're going to make your mark, you make it in America. And if you're already in America, you would never leave to go elsewhere. And it just seems like if you want to be an F1, you need to start young, get in karting, which we don't really have karting here, not not that level. The idea of leaving America and going over to, say, Europe to practice. And I also just think, though, the, the, the money involved, it's like, you know, if, if your father is that rich that he could sponsor a team, he's going to sponsor an indie team. Or... You know, if he's that rich and the parents can afford to have you in carding and have you get in the best and, and do all of it for years, well, you're probably not going to leave America and go there. So you're going to stay in Indy, you know, if, if that was kind of racing. So, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to see an American again, even just as a driver. I don't know who all the alternate drivers are or the, or the sim drivers are, but I wonder if there's even an American in that. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I do agree. I think if you, like you mentioned earlier, you know, a Honda driver program, something like that, right? It's It seems unlikely to me that the very best of them would be Americans in such a program. And even if there were Americans in that program, like you said, they're most likely going to Indy. There's really no straightforward path from the US into F1, right? Pretty much all of it happens in Europe. So if you get sponsored, you're either going to Europe or you're going to Indy. There's no other option. And I think it's very unlikely that of those two options, you're going to choose to go overseas for the chance to make your way through F2 and F3 right to get up to f1 right it just right 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 it's so unlikely you're ever going to be an f1 driver that right why would you leave home spend all that money when you could maybe be in and yeah because there's just so much uncertainty with that because i think 
all of the drivers in F1 are incredible drivers. I think we all know that. But I don't know if we would all agree that the 20 drivers in F1 are the 20 best drivers in the world. A lot depends on how much money you have or if you're in a certain program at a certain time, you know, or you get called up to the F1 team at just the wrong moment and you get one year of racing and then you're cut, right? It's like, <laughs> like Albon. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's a good enough path to make F1 a viable option if you're a young American karting champion or whatever right so yeah i agree and i you know though actually for another episode we'll have to think of like who are the top drivers not in f1 you know yeah. like, <laughs> like, like van Dorn, i think you know maybe there's some couple guys still in indy yeah i saw an, an interview recently or heard with roman grosjean and you know because he's now out of f1 but he's in indy and he was saying it's a lot easier to transition from f1 to indy than indy to f1 the cars, the the teams, the uh, steering column, everything he was saying. It's just it, the transition is much easier. So I, I think he's probably true, but I don't think that's the reason why. I think if you're a talent enough driver, you can figure that stuff out. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is I don't know that there's much of a point in going from Indy to F1. Right. It's like you're a professional racing driver. I don't know what kinds of contracts these guys have signed obviously you hear about some in f1 like alonso's you know 35 million dollar deal or whatever right but i just wouldn't think that that would even enter into somebody's brain and go okay i'm i'm gonna make the transition from indy to f1 solely to be an f1 driver instead of an indy driver you know but right 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 i mean maybe something they were guaranteed a seat but yeah so speaking of Roman Grosjean, I can remember, I think what were we, we were driving back from, was it Charleston? I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, get, we get F1 TV streaming and I was driving, so I wasn't looking at the phone and you were looking at the phone and you had the race on, I could hear it. And you were like, I think Roman just died. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was pretty crazy. Cause yeah, that was last year we were driving from Charleston back to Ann Arbor and we were watching that race in Bahrain, right? And that was when Grosjean had his fiery accident. <laughs> and um, I, I literally paused the stream because I thought he died. I, I, yeah, no, I mean, he yeah, went like, straight into the barrier. Yeah, he went straight yeah, into the yeah. barrier and you see a it, like, massive what, explosion. And like, I was like, there's no way that he just survived (laughs) that. Right. And I paused it because it, yeah, it freaked me out. I was like, I don't think I can watch this right now. And a couple minutes later, I, I restarted it and it was like, oh, it took him, you know, 15 seconds to get out of the car and go on. But, but it's still amazing. I mean, it was like, I don't know, 200 miles an hour, let's say crashes into a bear you think well then he's dead well okay maybe he could survive that but then you see the car is split in half so you think oh my goodness that's that's horrible what's what a horrible death that is and you think well if he's you know 
maybe he was in a bubble and on one side and he's still like, well, now it exploded and there's a fire and there's a fire <laughs> and it's going out for 30 seconds. So, so you think, well, then he's just absolutely dead. There is no way this is a horrible end. His F1 career, this is such a tragedy. And then, I, yeah, you, you one pause it. I start looking too. I, I'm trying to drive, but, and it was just incredible. I mean, it's like you see him coming out and they're spraying him down. And I mean, I'm just shocked. I mean, he's driving. I mean, he's driving in, F, in, in Indy now. He's not, I mean, he's doing okay, but just yeah. that alone, you know, he's yeah. driving in Indy. It's pretty, after that, pretty, it's pretty unreal so. how little injury i guess that he came out of that with right you you look at that and i mean i did i assumed that he was dead like there was absolutely no way that he survived that and he basically came out with some burns and like a cracked rib or whatever right <laughs> it was like okay right. well that's a mild concussion yeah it is you you almost wonder everything went miraculously right. And so you sort of hope F1, I mean, because they do such a great job with safety that they don't just sort of, you know, stand down and say, okay, well, we don't need to do anymore because that was, that was perfect. And you think, look, I, I, by the grace of God, that man is still alive. I don't care anything about your protocols or who was on the scene. He should not be alive. And so hopefully they're still sort of trying to advance safety as best Mm -hmm, they can. mm -hmm. I mean, I think they have to. They just have to keep going because, you know, in the last, what, five years or something like that, it's, you know, we we saw Bianchi die in an F1 car. We saw Alexander die. Was it last year or two years ago that he died in F2? Right. It's like. Oh, you mean like Antonio? Yeah. Charles Leclerc's friend right yeah 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 like just tragic things that happen where it's the opposite of what happened at Grosjean right it's everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong but you still have to plan for that and, and try to figure out how you can do better in those situations and I think Formula One and the FIA are are constantly working to to improve safety but I think it's just you know at no point can you really stop and say okay this is good enough right right you know i mean uh, it's good that you brought up the bianchi incident even though i wish hadn't because that's the that one just always just is it's like oh young handsome f1 driver living in monaco this is the life the race should have been probably stopped before his accident yeah, I don't even like. Yeah, that one was just awful. I don't even like to think of that one. Everything that went right, you know, I mean, everything that could go right did for Grosjean, and just the opposite. Yeah, for yeah, Jules. absolutely. Yeah, awful. Speaking of what's right and what's wrong, I don't know how we, you know, cross over transition from that morbid, morose topic. What do you think is wrong with Ricardo? I mean, you mentioned signs. He moved to Ferrari this year. Ricardo moved to McLaren, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're, how, we're what, eight? We're nine, ten races in, something like that. And he's not doing anything to make me think he deserves that seat in McLaren. I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird thing that's happening, right? Because we had a lot of drivers like veteran drivers switch teams or come back, right? We have, 
you know, Sainz, Vettel, Perez, Alonso, along with Ricardo, all kind of coming into new situations, right? And I think Ricardo, of all of those guys, is having the most difficult time transitioning. I don't know if it has to do with how difficult that McLaren is to get a hold of. And because Norris has been there for several seasons now that he's really coming into his own now. But Ricardo is just getting outperformed by Norris week in and week out. And quite frankly, it looks like he's lost at times. I just, I'm not really sure what's going on with him because you think about how he finished the year with Renault last year, right? Like he was on the top of his game and you thought, oh, this is going to be a big pickup for McLaren. And he just hasn't done it. He's finished, I think, sixth three times this season and that's his best finish of the season and only finished ahead of Norris once this year. He's only gotten to Q3 and half of the races this year. Meanwhile, Norris has made it to Q3 in every race, right? So he is struggling to find a way to cope with that car. I think a lot more than any of those other veteran drivers that also made changes in the offseason. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize he was that bad because, I mean, you're right. I mean, Perez is seems to be finding his way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alonso, I think, is now sort of surpassed Ocon, but but that I means still early in the season. But you're right. It's sort of like, okay, he's now getting as much from that car as anyone could. Vettel, you know, I, I think Vettel is is kind of like Raikkonen, where it's like, hey, man, there's no better job in the world than F1. I'll, you know, I'll do all I can. Yeah, yeah. I think Vettel... There's no intensity Yeah, here, he but, doesn't have anything to prove, fine. right? But yeah, Ricardo, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I've i never been, as much as I like him, and I think that's probably the most fun team, Norris and Ricardo. Yeah. You know, I, I can't say he's a great driver, even though, though he's had a, a great career. I mean, you know, a decade or close to it. But yeah, that's, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's just still, you know, still trying to figure out the car, the team, what works best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe by the end of this season, we'll be eating our words. But yeah, so far, he has not proven up to the challenge of this McLaren. So, yeah, because I, I mean, I would say, you know, maybe Verstappen's the best driver out there right now. But Perez is, you know, around third or fourth. Stroll and Vettel are fairly close. Alonso and O'Connor are close. Yeah, Ricardo, that's that's a big gap between him and Norris. And, and as much as Norris is impressing me, I'm not ready to say he's one of the all-time greats, and he just, you know, <laughs> just, you know uh, yeah. There's no way Ricardo can equal him, but yeah, that's no good. So, what do you think of Verstappen? What he's doing this year? I think Verstappen finally has a car that's close enough to the Mercedes where he's showing everybody that he actually is the best driver on the grid currently. You know, I have thought that he's been the best driver for the last three seasons, maybe, but it just didn't come because that Mercedes was so much better than anybody else. And I I mean, Hamilton, of course, is one of the one of the best drivers of all time and and could totally handle that car and, and, you know, squeeze out Verstappen every single race. But now. 
those two teams are are getting so much closer that Verstappen is really proving to everybody that he is the best driver. No, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, I would say, right, at least the past few seasons, he's been the best driver on the grid. Um, and and if he keeps this up, we'll be considered, you know, one of the all-time great drivers. And um, I, I, I didn't think they had any real chance last year. And and if not for some unfortunate incidents where he got taken out, I think he may have even come in second, you know, uh, that, you know, beat the Mercedes. So, so yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely dominant. And now speaking of Verstappen and uh, Hamilton, Verstappen actually has the lead right now. I, I, I don't know if it will last. I mean, I just think the Mercedes team, the money, the talent, they're just such a dominant car that, you, you know, I think Verstappen has to be 100%, 100% of the time. I don't know if that's going to be feasible. We'll see. But at the moment, he's in the lead. And one reason he's in the lead is because he, when his tires died, was that in Baku? When, when his yeah, tires? that was in Baku. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so bad. I mean, he, he you know, you think he's going to win the race and then his tires just give out, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when they restarted it, Hamilton screwed up. He did something on the brake, and I wanted to ask you what 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 that was. What did he do with his brakes or something? I mean, because he should now be maybe in first place. Yeah, um, but he right. took himself out of that race. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of the most notable lockups of the season. I think <laughs> you know he, he basically took himself out at, at, at the restart of that race and ended up not scoring any points in that race and, and gave Verstappen's teammate Perez the win, right? So... Still shocked about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Was was, I mean, you're right. I've never seen a lockup. I've seen lockups cost someone a position, but never... Right, yeah. Podium, right? I mean, never from first to nothing. Exactly, because that was right at the start of a restart because I forget who... Was it maybe Stroll that crashed and caused a, like a red flag or something like that in the race? And so they restarted. Perez was in first, but didn't look like he was going to be able to hold off Hamilton in that first turn. But Hamilton just went straight through because he, he <laughs> locked up. Yeah, what does that mean? I'm not sure. Sh- because like, I've been following F1 for so long, but I'm still... you know, like There are certain things where like, oh, he locked up. I'm like... Oh, did it, did he have no traction and his brakes just sort of not work? What does that mean? Exactly? Yeah, so so basically, like F one cars don't have ABS like road cars do, right? So drivers pretty much need to get their braking perfect in order to like not lock up their brakes or not go too far through a corner. And so basically, a lockup is when a driver applies too much force to the brakes. And that causes the brake discs, essentially, and and wheels to rotate slower than the car is actually moving. So Mm, that's when you get, like, the tires scraping along the track, and and we get a nice big cloud of white smoke, right? So (laughs) that's pretty much what what lockup means, is is the tires aren't rotating at the same speed the car is moving. I see. Well, that that actually does help me understand that. Now, what if... Like are there certain cars? So if if the Haas team is locking up more, is that technical or is it just you know Mazepin and Schumacher aren't that great? 
I think that is is less on the technical or engineering side than it is on the driver side. The drivers really need to be locked in and get their get their braking point and their force on the brake pedal just right in order to be able to slow the car down as quickly as they can, but without locking up, right? So that they can hit that apex and then accelerate out of the corner as quickly as possible. So the engineering of the brake system is pretty interesting and and kind of complex, but really the lockup isn't as much a technical issue as it is a driver issue, at least in my opinion, right? Like brakes, you see a lot of lockups during restarts or during the start of the race because the brakes are cold. So they need to be in in an optimal temperature range in order to work as effectively as they can. And that's kind of why you see guys weaving during a safety car, things like that, which I think is why Hamilton locked up at the start of that restart in Baku, because his brakes just weren't up to temperature. And so he just slipped right through that turn and ended up costing him the race, I think. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it could come down to that. We'll see. I, I, I hope so, just because you know, I mean, Mercedes has been dominant for so long. You want to see real competition, not just every race, but over the course of the season. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a pretty big mistake on, on the Hamilton Mercedes part. Real quick, we mentioned Alonzo and Ocon on the team, the Alpine slash Renault team. What did you think? Because I think it was just a couple weeks ago where they agreed to sign Ocon to like a three-year deal. What did you think that was a wise move or, or unwise? Yeah, I mean, or? I think Ocon is a is a good driver. I, I liked him actually when he first came into F one, and then kind of immediately got the boot. Yeah, which kind of made me disappointed. I think he looked really promising when he was when he first came in, and I think he's he's another solid driver. And I think you know we talked about the midfield battles at the start, and I think he's one of those guys that really pushes the pack along you kind of always see him getting into scraps you know I, I i don't know that i notice him you know moving up as often as i see him moving back in the pack but i think <laughs> you know those guys are just as important to the sport as as anybody else i think they make it just as entertaining and i mean a frenchman to sign with a french team i think is totally a wise move so yeah, I mean, I don't think he has sponsor money, and so, but he's French. He's a solid driver. I, I, I would say he's a great driver, but he's a solid driver. He's French. I think the Renault team probably needs some stability. I think Alonso probably will stay with them because I think he he's shown that he definitely wants to remain in F one, and there's no seat likely to become available on the top team. So I think that's a quality team they have there, Alonzo and Ocon. We'll see. I don't think he's a great driver, but it's the rental car, the Alpine car. I'm not sure there's anything special. So, but as you said, you know, a lot of these guys are one and done. Some of the top drivers in the world don't ever make it. If Ocon can sign a three-year deal, go for it. You know, that that's the dream job. You're an F1 driver. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah, I think Ocon is just one of those guys that that's going to keep his head down and, and keep driving. I, I mean, he, to me, reminds me of another Frenchman that we already talked about, Romain Grosjean. I mean, he was in F1 for a long time, right? And he never won anything, but you look at the guy and he was a solid driver throughout his career. And I think Ocon could be a similar kind of driver. So, Yeah, I think Ocon is, is a bit, maybe a bit better. Grosjean, I think, was a solid driver, but then might do something ridiculous, something foolish. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> but, but whereas Ocon seems to have a bit more of a stable mentality there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's wise on Ocon's part. He's, he's now going to be an F1 driver for a few years. Can't turn that down. And for Alpine, they get a solid driver, F1. They got Alonzo, the big name. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I hope they improve. Yeah. They haven't done anything to impress me, the team. I, I don't mean that negatively against Ocon or Alonzo, but the car, the team, you know, that yeah. engine. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, it seems like Renault or Alpine just, you know, wants a couple of drivers that will vie to get points every week. And I think Ocon is one of those guys where it's like, he's probably not going to do anything to put the team out, but he could do enough to get in the points. And I think that's what a team like Alpine needs. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a good point. And I think that's, that, that's sort of what he can do that. That's his strength. So, yeah. Why don't we close this out? I, one of the things that here when it's hockey season, I always like to watch is the pregame show for the Red Wings, and they do something called Light the Lamp. I know you know what it is, which is for that game, the hosts will say who they think will get the most points or, or who they think will stop the most goals, and then they sort of add up the totals over the course of the season to see who's best. I don't know yet what, what our Light the Lamp or our across-the-line ranking should be. We'll have to table that one for a bit, but I did want to get your thoughts on who you think kind of the top drivers are on the grid now and or who do you think is doing the best this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Verstappen is is the top guy right now. He would definitely top my list for best drivers on the grid. And, you know, another guy we mentioned earlier i have as the number two guy on the grid right now and that's lando norris he has surpassed all my expectations for a mclaren driver this season (laughs) and same same with me those are my number one too yeah yeah every week he does way better at least on race day than i had expected him to i I I feel the same Uh, before you get to your third i mean verstappen i think is the best and I think he's been the best really driver on the grid for the last few years. And had you asked me to predict that, that's an easy prediction. <laughs> Norris, the number two, like you said, I I don't think I ever would have predicted that. That Norris would yeah. be this deep into the season the second best. So but you and I agree, I think, on one and two. Yeah. Who do you think third? Yeah. I think my third might be moderately controversial. I, I have Perez as my number three driver on the season Mm. he has been i mean i i know he's like 60 points down on verstappen or whatever right now but 
I think he has been the best of the drivers coming into new teams. And he has really taken a fight to the Mercedes drivers, which the last, you know, three Red Bull drivers didn't really do. Right. So I, I've been impressed by his performance with that team so far this season. For me, my surprise number three, I would say, is Hamilton. You know, Hamilton has had had it so easy. You know, I, I don't want to take anything away from him necessarily, but I think over the last several years, the worst Mercedes was ever going to do was number two. Mm. So instead of finishing number two, Hamilton finishes number one. A great <laughs> accomplishment, but but, you know, finishing number one, when you realistically only going to be one or two, you know. Right, right. Pretty much all he had to do was beat Botas, right? So, <laughs> right, beat Botas. And, you know, I think there's plenty of drivers on the grid who can beat Botas. But I think this year, Red Bull has improved enough to where they're a striking distance. And I think there's kind of a combination of lethargy at Mercedes mm-hmm. and just kind of a, a sort of acceptance. Well, things always have to come to an end. You know, we had the best car during the hybrid era. It was so good that only one time was there ever any doubt that we wouldn't have both cars, one and two. <laughs> yeah. And and I think Hamilton is, along with Total Wolf, I think is sort of like kind of rallying the troops, making sure everyone is focused, still bringing it 100%. When I think for a lot of other drivers, I think they would just say, well, you know, we had our time. And I think Hamilton, to his credit, is not yet ready to say that. So I think he would be my number three. So yeah. I, I think let's let's do five now. So what do you think would be your fourth and fifth? Yeah, so I have Gasly, surprisingly, at fourth and Hamilton at fifth. No. Oh. So, yeah, Hamilton, for a lot of the same reasons you were saying, I gave him points, but I also deducted him points because it's the same, right? It's like he he does have an exceptional car. It's not like he has to work as hard as a Norris to get in the top five every single week. But but to his credit, like you were saying, he's he's pushing that team. We see how far Botas has fallen, and Hamilton is still pushing Verstappen and Perez every week. And yeah, I think you know, he's proving that he's not going to relinquish his spot as <laughs> as the world champion all that easily to to Verstappen. So I think that has been impressive for him. And for Gasly, I think he's in like not a wonderful car. He's got kind of a firecracker teammate in Yuki Tsunoda. <laughs> and is constantly getting into battles with guys who have what I think are, are are better cars than he does. And he, you know, I think ever since his kind of miracle win last season in Italy, he has really gotten a boost from that, I think. And it has carried over into this season. And, you know, if not for a couple of unfortunate incidents, most recently, you know, uh, Leclerc basically destroying his rear suspension, he he would be pretty high up in the world championship points. Yeah, Gasly, I think, is 
doing a great job. And I think the win last year helped him that kind of crazy win. But I also think, you know, it's unfortunate for Albon. Alexander Albon got booted from Red Bull. And, uh, you know, you can argue whether it was justified or not. But I think when Gasly saw that, I think he realized, you know, that second seat alongside Max at Red Bull is nearly impossible. And and so I think a lot of the self-doubts kind of went away. And now mm-hmm. you just, you just kick it. So, mm-hmm. but I think for me, I would have different four and five. My fourth, I think, would be Leclerc. I mean, the pressure for driving for Ferrari, and especially when Ferrari, I think, is not that good. I just don't think that car is very good. He brings it every single week. Mm-hmm. He's keeping them in the points. You, you know, I, I think he saved them last year from utter collapse. So, <laughs> I, I, I think. He does get a little messy at the start, especially, but I, I would say he's in my number four. And then my fifth, partly nostalgia, but I would say is Alonso. He came into a new team. Mm. It's not a great mm-hmm. car. It took him a few races, but he's now doing better than his teammate. And, I mean, when you look at him at the start, you know, those starts, it's like somehow he takes that Alpine and gets <laughs> fifth, for example. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's a short time, but it's like no one seems to jump off the line and weave their way through traffic like him. So partly out of nostalgia, but I also think he's my number five. So, yeah, yeah. Those, those are two of my favorite drivers on, on the grid. I think both of them are, are a lot of fun to watch. And I think that they have kind of a similar mentality where they are going to go a hundred percent every single race and occasionally stick their nose where it, doesn't belong and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't i I think i agree with you both of them have been impressive drivers this season they're slightly further down on my list just because of you know leclerc i think this season is maybe trying to to prove that he's the number one guy at ferrari and, and not let signs kind of take that glory from him. Right. And so he's gotten a little bit too pushy in a couple of races. <laughs> and like in Monaco, right, he, he had pole position in the bag and he blew it and he couldn't race in that race. You know, a couple of mental mistakes that have pushed him down a little bit further on my list. And then Alonso, I, I love Alonso. He's the reason I got into Formula One. But uh, I think the start of his season just, you know, wasn't all that great. He was still getting used to that, to the car and to the team. And so right now he's kind of like middle of the pack on my power rankings, if you will. But I think if he keeps driving the way he's been driving in the last couple of races, he'll definitely move up that list. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I also think, you know, Speaking of Alonso, back to the the discussion about Ocon signing a multi-year deal. I mean, I think that actually helped the team as a whole because, I mean, I think if Ocon was just there, contracted through this year, uh, Alonso would have just eaten him alive. Like, all right, you're nothing. <laughs> get out. I, I, I'm getting the best resources of the team. I'm getting everyone's focus on me. Even at this kind of older age, this more experienced Alonso, I think he still would have done it. I think signing Ocon to multiple years, I think, was like Alpine saying, look, we need two drivers. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this can't be like McLaren a few years ago when they were getting back in. So, 
So do you have, uh, let's close it out. Do you have any predictions for Sunday's second go around in, in Austria that I'm going to have to watch on ESPN? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it should be. Well, I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting race just because it's one week later, same track, same deal. And I think that Mercedes is going to come hard, I think. And I am going to go out and say that Hamilton is going to take pole. And I think he's probably going to win the race as well. So that's kind of my the big prediction I have. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine is similar. It, it's, it's going to flip. So instead of Verstappen Hamilton, it'll be Hamilton Verstappen. Mm. And instead of Botas Perez, it'll be Perez Botas. So Hamilton Verstappen, yeah. Perez Botas. And I don't think we're going to have any craziness at the start, but I'm always up for it. So let's hope I'm. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm I'm really interested to see how Gasly comes back in this race and to oh, see yeah. if he can he can find the the pace that he did show last week and actually finish the race. And I think you know guys like Ocon and Ricardo didn't have good performances last week and I think they really need to show up this week. They have last week's race under their belts. They're going to need to figure out how to find pace in their car because their teammates are really showing that their cars do have pace. Right. And I mean, Russell had a good race. Mm. He could have been in the top 10. Once again, the Williams car, there's no reliability. It's, it's kind of yeah. garbage. I think it's going to be the same again. It's just a bad car. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another DNF for him, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some kind of deal with the devil he's made where he gets to be an F1 driver <laughs> put in a car that really, yeah, well, you know, that really shouldn't be an F1. We'll, we'll see if he unseats Botas next season at Mercedes. But <laughs> yeah, for now, for now, it's it's got to be frustrating to start his F1 career in that car. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, son. Looking forward to uh, letting everybody know uh, we'll be here after the next Austria race. So hope you all join us. Awesome. Take care, Patrick. Thanks.